0: Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head here in Rochester, England. Shamat Karsandhu over there in Toronto, Canada. And before we start this week, I just wanted to say something. Usually on this show, we talk about MMA. And don't worry, we will break down the upcoming UFC 250 card later on the show. But before we do that, there's something else that I think that we need to discuss. I say I think we need to discuss. Sandu actually hit me up in the week and said, I think we should talk about this. What do you think? And I was in complete agreement. So... Before we do that, just want to make one thing clear: we're not going to stick to sports, as people on social media like to say when journalists step out of their usual lane and start talking about other stuff that's going on in the world. This is our podcast, right? This is what this is something that Sandu and I have created out of nothing. Um, we started with zero followers, zero listeners. So if we lose one or two along the way because they don't like something we say, then then that's that's fine and dandy by us. So I don't really I don't really mind or care uh so with respect if you like what we're saying then that's fine that's your right if you don't agree with what we're saying that is fine and that is also your right you can fast forward to the mma bit but if it really is so unpalatable to you then please do unsubscribe and uh go go uh go listen to something that you prefer it's not a problem so but hopefully you'll you'll hear us out this is just two guys uh from from different backgrounds but from the same country spitballing on 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 a We're recording this on Tuesday, June the 2nd, 2020. Uh, And it's a time when a a significant part of the Western world is caught within, I don't know, the grip of violence, rhetoric, a deep-rooted social issue that has seemingly led many people in the United States and elsewhere around the world to stand up and say enough is enough. The death of George Floyd at the hand of police officers on May the 25th has led to scores of protests across the United States and beyond um, in Canada where Sandu is and here in the UK where I am most of these protests have been peaceful some have been a bit overzealous and others have spilled over into violence and the source of that violence has been attributed to a host of different factors but what it has resulted in is more incidents of police violence more deaths of civilians of police officers and only last night we saw uh, an attack on what looked like a group of peaceful protesters in Washington DC Seemingly, just to clear the way for the president of the United States to have a photo opportunity in front of a church that was swiftly denounced by the very people who run the church. So, it's a turbulent time right now, and the issue of racism has come to its head. And the scenes that we're seeing on the TV right now may be relatively fresh because they only took place in the last few days, but they're not unprecedented. And racism most certainly isn't. This has been going on for hundreds of years. You know, obviously over the last few months everyone's been talking about the coronavirus but the arrival of COVID-19 has only added another disease to the world the 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 disease of racism has been around for for many 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 years so just to frame this for those who don't know me I'm white I grew up knowing very few people of color in my early years um, but since went on to work in London one of the most multicultural cities in the world for almost 20 years I've worked with people who look very different to me come from very different backgrounds to me and never once has that ever been an issue to them or to me one of those people is is the gentleman on the podcast with me Sandu um and uh you know we're we're both from England but yet we come from very different backgrounds and yet we're able to work together we're good friends and this is an interesting one because Sandu as a as a person of color yourself you would have seen the scenes that that took place over the last few days i can have my opinion and my thoughts on it but the truth of the matter mate is i'm in the majority i'm in the group of people who aren't being persecuted i'm not i'm not one of those people who could potentially be targeted people of color are the people who are being targeted so but you know because we come from very different backgrounds how how did you view this? Because I know you you came to me and said I think we should talk about this, and I think we absolutely should. So uh, over to you, mate. You know, let us know let us know what your reaction was, and, and and you know we can we can go from there. Well, first of all,
1: Simon, thank you so much for teeing everything up. That was a, that was a great job. I appreciate that. I think you framed everything fantastically well. And it's been a tough week. It's uh, no doubt about it. You know, um, just seeing the um, the images, the videos. First of all, thank God we live in a time where there's the internet and uh, people have mobile phones, cell phones and things like this can be recorded as evidence and it's it's a reflection on society. You know, there's what we're seeing right now on social media and you, you know, I've got a love-hate relationship with social media. Like, I love it because I've been able to, um, you know, build an audience, build a profile and get some experience in, in a field of media in general where I can work full-time and cover and be involved in the sport that I love. I hate the fact that there's censorship. I hate the fact that there's uh, data and privacy issues that comes along with, with social media. But right now, I love the fact that we have social media. Um, I love the fact that you know we can see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it was uh, it was interesting for me to kind of go through a process because I didn't know what to do. To be honest with you, and I think, and I've seen that I've seen a lot of people post about I didn't know what to do. I'm trying to gather my thoughts, uh, and for them, it's taken days. You know, it's taken the, the full extent of a week. I think some people are still going through a process. And then I saw some tweets, I saw some Instagram posts, and for a while, I was trying to gather my thoughts, and and and, and I thought, yeah, okay, cool. I can maybe put some words together on on, on, a, on a on a Twitter thread or an Instagram post. And then I came to the conclusion that that's just not going to be enough, you know. That's just not going to be enough. And I feel like, hey, we've got this podcast, we've got this show. Here's an opportunity to have a conversation and to peel back the kernel a little bit. Like the way me and Simon typically construct the show when we're talking about MMA is we know, okay, we're going to talk about A, B, C, and we'll kind of we'll go here, we'll go there. Simon will talk about this, Andy will talk about that. And then when I hit you up and I say, hey, look, I think we should talk about this. Uh, I think it's, it's important that we kind of sh- have a conversation. Because like you said, we've known each other for, I think, five, six, seven years, something like that. And, you know, you grew up in, in, a, in a white area and then was kind of, you know, exposed to people from all walks of life when you start to live and work in London. And the funny thing is, that's that's the exact same experience I had. Growing up in in a town called Southall, West London, I grew up with Indians, Sikhs, Hindus, Muslims and Somalians. That's the kind of uh, the majority of the ethnic break- breakdown uh, in Southall. I went to school there. I went to college there. Um, I, went to, I went to Kingston University, which isn't too far away from Southall, but that, that exposed me to a little bit more of a diverse group of individuals. I worked at the at Heathrow Airport, which basically all of Southall works at Heathrow Airport for the most part. Um, but it wasn't until I started to kind of work my way up the corporate ladder and kind of actually, you know, travel to London, you know, the heart of the city every single day and and uh, meet people from different walks of life where I kind of really got exposed to people that are white and people that are from, you know, parts of Europe and other, you know, other parts of the world and... And, and anyway, I think I think the one thing that I've loved about the MMA experience is it's it's such a diverse group from the fighters, the fans, the the personnel that work at the, the promotions, even the media. It's 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 a it's a beautiful thing to see, and we've all kind of been this traveling circus for so many years, and we all kind of get along because we've got this common, you know, goal. to to live and work and cover this sport and to contribute and report and create content on the sport that we love, right? So, yeah, so kind of bringing it back to what the last week has been like for me, it's it's been heartbreaking to see what's happening in America. Uh, You know, I, I love seeing the peaceful protests because I feel like everyone's got the right to protest peacefully, whatever the cause may be. It's been disappointing to see the kind of looting that that's that's been going on and the destruction of cities you know that from seeing that go from across various cities in america i saw it happen in canada you know there was a, a peaceful protest that took place over the weekend in downtown toronto and i believe that all went you know went through fine without any hitches any problems any issues and at the same time in montreal quebec canada there was lots of looting going on and stores were being broken into, and being vandalized, and items were being stolen, and and that was disappointing. And just this morning, um, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, openly said, "Hey, there is racial injustice, injustice, and it's from the top down. It's from government level. It's from businesses. It's it's everywhere, you know. And it, it's 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 a global problem. You know, Rac- racism exists, and we have to." acknowledge it talk about it it exists in america exists in canada it exists in the uk um it's a problem and you know maybe our generation can be the generation that kind of you know take a quote or a line from the COVID situation flattens the curve you know And, and maybe we can do something um that can actually change What's happening even today, there's this whole Blackout Tuesday um, initiative on, on Instagram and, and other social media platforms. And I think everyone is just kind of like ask themselves, hey, look, you know, ha- have a conversation with yourself and, and just to ask yourself, you know, what can you do? You can make a contribution if you've got the money, however little or however big that may be. You can have a conversation like you and me are having right, you know, today. You can put something out on social media. You can... You know if you if you're a parent and you've got kids you can have a conversation with your kids maybe it's today maybe it's tomorrow maybe it's next week but s- slowly things need to change and for me personally where the the, the bulk of the anger came out of, from me is you know I, I have been a victim of racism my entire life it happens today as well today it's easy for me to deal with right someone's being an idiot and, and being racial r- racist towards me on social media, it's easy. Block, and you're out of my life. See you later, right? Um, but everyone handles it in, in a different way, you know. And and I don't want to get into the specifics of my experience, and and you know, because I don't want it to make it about me personally, um, and, and, and what I've gone through. But the thing is, I've never actually publicly spoken about it before. And maybe at some point down the road, that's something that I'd want to do. You know, um, I've been asking myself a lot of questions because if you follow me on social media followed, if you only know me for MMA, you pretty much know all you've seen from me is content, news, opinions and fun stuff related to this sport. Maybe now and then you'll see a picture of some food, maybe now and then you'll see a picture of me on, on holiday, but you don't really know me, you don't really know much about my background and what I've been through and that's how I've kind of kept things, but now I think I'm going to start to change that and, I don't, and and it might be a slow change it's a process that I'm personally going to have to go through and I'm, and I'm starting to go through it now to use a platform that I've got which is social media and the following that I've got that continues to grow and put a spotlight on causes that are important to me my family my community um and think I think that will all come in time but I think right now this whole Black Lives Matter movement, it's it's important for people to just try and absorb it, process it, understand what it means. And it's not over, you know? It's it's something that's happening right now as we speak. There are things happening around the world. Um, and it was amazing to see what John Jones did, uh, and we'll get into that in a second, and, and what Israel Adesanya did. We saw Hall of Famer Chuck Liddell you know, out in the streets, trying to keep the protests peaceful and do and do his thing as well. But um, yeah, again, we, there's no um, um, blueprint to this conversation, Simon. No, um,
0: it's, it's it's an interesting... I mean, you know, you talk about, you know, we this isn't a topic you and I have ever ever discussed socially ever, um, because thankfully there has never been a situation where we've both been together um, at an event or out and about or whatever that has prompted that sort of conversation, you know, because when you talk about racism and, and issues regarding racism, it's normally sparked by an incident happening, right? And obviously we're getting, you know, we, we, we had the George Floyd incident and that has now sparked into something much, much bigger. And the thing, the thing that sort of struck me is, if you if you look at when things go bad when things go wrong in general when i when i say wrong and when i say bad i mean when people get sick when people get like terminally ill or people around them get terminally ill or you know you know we're talking end of life stuff the color of your skin your gender your sexual orientation your religion how many dollar bills you've got in the bank pound notes whatever it is None of that matters anymore. Nothing matters, and it it reminded me. I worked I worked in London for like twenty years, as I say, and I worked in central London. Do you remember the London, the London bombings? When was that? That that was crikey. When was that? About two thousand and five, something like that. Two thousand and six. Um, the the train, the tube train at Good Street. Um, sorry, not Good Street, Warren Street. that that, that blew up. If I'd have been on time that day, I may well have been on that train. I was half an hour late. I missed my first train. I ended up on the the second train. I got a phone call as I pulled into Victoria Station, saying, "Sian, where the f are you?" Um, I thought I was in trouble because I was late, uh, and he was. There wasn't. It's was because they were worried that I was on the tube, and they they just said, "Get back on the train and go back home, and we'll we'll, we'll explain everything while you're on the way home." I had friends there who lost people because they bombed the the tube and they bombed a London bus just around a corner from our office. And uh, a friend who who sat like two seats from me lost his best friend on that bus. And we're in London, working for a publishing company, multicultural team of people. And I would say in that office, probably four or five people knew of somebody who was involved or injured or caught up in that in 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 that situation at that point and i remember the whole city just completely virtually shut down for like an afternoon because every every everything closed ranks but everyone was looking out for everyone no one was you know it didn't matter who you were it didn't matter what job you had it didn't matter anything when people were out walking the streets they saw someone in trouble or they were struggling with something all of a sudden, they would help. I remember the next day, because London being London, the very next day, everybody went back to work, which is just the London thing. It's a very British thing. It's like, you know, the world caves in. Oh, well, we have to get off of work the next day. And then so, but we'd, we'd had this terrorist attack in the middle of our city. And we had this sort of, everyone was giving each other knowing looks on the train and sort of just little sort of nods of appreciation that, you know, you know, we're going to be all right today sort of thing. And it didn't matter what colour people were or anything like that. When when the shit goes down and bad stuff starts to happen, all of this stuff that some people like to divide people into, all these little social strata and, you know, the, the, the sort of fake hierarchy that people like to create for, for, for mankind, none of that, that all goes out the window when, when it comes to life and death. And we're at that point now in America with what's going on. People... And this isn't just a police thing. You know, there there have been some incredible, as, as well as the police uh, overzealously attacking protesters, there's also been clips of police chiefs taking a knee with protesters and, and, and calming the situation. So there's balance to this. And when people come together and work together and, and remove their differences and look at what actually makes them the same, That's when stuff happens. That's when the magic happens. That's when good stuff tends to come out of it. And yeah, what's going on right now is absolutely shameful and terrible. And I don't really know what's going to be an end to this. Um, There's an obvious route I could take with this that involves the man at the top. Um, And if he, if he gets voted out in November, then maybe that's a catalyst for change, but that's still a few months down the line. And who's to, who's to say what's going to happen between now and then. But if people start respecting each other's similarities rather than being fearful of differences, then that, that, that will bring things together. And I've never, this is, it's very hard to talk about this as a white guy, I think. Um, and this isn't worries me, isn't it tough? Cause it's not, but it's very hard for me to speak about this without feeling like I'm sounding patronizing. So if I'm sounding patronizing, tell me, cause it's not meant to be, but I just, I just think that it's, it's, it's incumbent on the people who are, who are not being mistreated to fix the problem. People of colour are marching in the streets. That's, that's completely to be expected. But if only people of colour march in the streets, nothing will happen. It's when the people marching in the streets aren't labelled as people of colour marching in the streets, when it's just mass protest and it 's the full gamut of the population, all colors, creeds, genders, sexual orientation, religion, everything when when the cross section of people who are protesting covers the full gamut of the population, then you 've got something, and I think we'd be i think we're seeing that I think we're seeing that so i just I just hope that if there is anything positive, if this does spark some sort of positivity, then it's the fact that it isn't just a uh, a marginalized group of people sort of shouting out it's it's the population as a whole saying this is this is not good this is not enough um you know things need to change um so yeah you know we're we're seeing everything that we're seeing and it's i can't imagine it's going to get better for a while i think we're probably going to see we're probably going to see more scenes like we saw last night and, and 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 the night before before it calms itself down but the fact that at least some of the things I'm seeing where we're seeing a cross-section of population rather than just people of colour, I'm hoping that that is a positive sign that further down the line, it means that change might be, might be in the wind, hopefully in a few months' time when the ballot box comes out again.
1: Yeah, I think it's time for people just to get used to being uncomfortable for a while um, because if you're distraught or you're... If you've got a heartbeat you're going to get you know emotional about some of the images and videos you're seeing but that pales into comparison to the actual lived reality of people that have to actually endure this on a day-to-day basis and have been enduring it since they were kids and it's generational for them you know and and it's fascinating you bringing up November because you and me were in New York um, covering we were covering UFC 205 uh, for those of you that um don't remember that's when conor mcgregor became the champ champ it was also that during that fight week it was the, the u.s presidential election and i remember i remember being in town in new york and i, and I got there i remember like a week before because i've got family there and, and I, every time there's an event in new york i always go out a week earlier just to kind of you know spend some time with friends and family and what have you and the the whole talk was there's no way Trump's gonna win, there's no way he's gonna be president, and all the rest of it. <clears throat> and then I remember the night of the of the vote.
0: The next day, I believe, was the weigh-in. Simon, was that is that correct? It was a Friday. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I remember. I remember sitting in. We were in Hooters actually. That's where we were. We were in <laughs> we were in Hooters over the over the road from Madison Square Garden and. Uh, I know uh, Pear, who's a photographer, um, MMA junkie, European photographer, Pear from Sweden. He got a phone call saying, "We need you to go and take pictures." There was a there was a Trump rally um, in New York. Um, we need you to be there. I think initially they thought it was to see the reaction of his people when he lose, uh, you know, when he lost. And then of course we know what happened. Um, and he won, and he ended up taking photos of a some sort of small party and a couple of the other guys. I think Danny Austin, a colleague of ours from Canada, was suddenly switched from sport duty to breaking news duty and he ended up heading over there as well to get stuff done. And I remember sitting in, in 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 the bar there just watching watching the news and seeing all the states, sort of gradually the results coming in and just the shock on people's face because New York obviously is a very pro-Democrat area. And I think at the start of the day they said like Trump, I think they said Hillary Clinton had like a 98% chance of winning or something like that. It was something ludicrous like that. And then everything switched on its head over the course of the evening. And uh, there were a lot of angry people by the end of the day. Um, but it was, it was, it felt like we were watching a moment in history that wouldn't be easily forgotten. And obviously things that have happened since then only serve to cement that because that really was a moment in history. And um, you know, a lot has gone on in the united states since then and i know that i know that there are a lot of people out there who are very supportive of the united states president now that's that's on them that's entirely their opinion my opinion is different to that um and uh i i see the way that he manipulates the media maybe it's because i'm i work in the media i can see the tricks um but the way he plays people off against each other the way he he goes to he goes to tried and trusted pieces of phraseology whenever he's he's losing an argument or he's losing the narrative, and for whatever reason, because he's got the he's got the economy of scale of being the prez, and having an entire news network pretty much in his in his back pocket, um, he's able to he's able to push this uh you know push this narrative, and uh, you know I think back to the Charlottesville. Um, situation where any president of any standing would have come out and condemned what happened he didn't he came out and said there were good people on both sides you know there were. There was white supremacists mowing people down with cars you know and it was marching with the torches it was like KKK stuff at times and it, he didn't he didn't denounce that it, it just didn't make sense to me and we know, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of getting back to that now. Um, now he's calling the military on his own citizens, on his own citizens. And this is all stemmed from, uh, a police officer who has made, I'd, I'd, I'd like to call it a horrific mistake. I don't know whether he intended to kill the guy. I, I can't, I can't say that. and, I guess that's why they're talking about charging him with third degree murder rather than first degree murder. I'm guessing that that that's probably part of it. But because of what happened there and because people of color across America are treated differently by the police. They do get stopped and and uh I know like even today like prominent prominent American athletes have come out and been very vocal about this. Anthony Lynn, who's the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, has written an op-ed, I think, um, might be the LA Times, and, uh, he, he shared, details of, he got stopped by the police, not all that long ago apparently, where, before they even asked him, for his license or anything, they were saying, have you been in, have you been in jail, and blah blah blah, have you got this, have you got this, and, there was an instant, assumption of guilt, as they pulled him over, and it was just a stop, and he's the head coach, of the San Diego Chargers, one of the, big sports franchises in the States, you know, and, uh, he's a leader of men. He's a leader of men over there. And I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't, un- I don't understand it. And this is, this is the president who talks about, we need our sports back, Sandu. We need us. We need our sports back to restart the economy and get America back on its feet again. Well, do you know what? Who are the biggest sports stars in America? What have most of them got in common? they're all people of color you know all the big all the big superstar sports people are people of color so it's fine when he's using he's using them to restart his economy but then when there's injustice on the street and those same people or or those people are taking a knee before an nfl game to to uh denounce police brutality they're called sons of bitches And then further down the line, he calls the National Guard or military police to start, you know, I just, it makes me sick. It makes me sick. And yeah, I know, I'm sure there will be people listening to me saying, well, you don't know the full story, Simon. Well, you know, what are you talking about? I can only comment on what I see and what I hear and what I see and what I hear is disgusting. And I don't know what else I can say.
1: Yeah, I mean, going back to that trip to New York, I remember, I always, I always uh, used to look forward to my trips to the US. I think we both have done over the years. You know, as as people that come up covering MMA in England, those opportunities are few and far between. So every time there's an international fight week or a UFC pay-per-view, you know, in in New York, LA, Vegas, Boston, wherever, it, it was always fun for us to kind of go over. And, I remember that trip because, and I remember I I used to always look forward to all these trips because it was an opportunity to slowly meet some of our U.S. counterparts. Some members of the media that I had never met before, but I respected their work or someone that I wanted to get to know better and build a rapport with and all the rest of it. And I remember the night after Trump got elected, kind of, I think it was the media day, the weigh-ins, whatever it was, you know looking forward to kind of saying hi how nice to meet you shaking shaking hands and all the rest of it and everyone's face was just an absolute state they they were they were not interested in talking because of what had just happened and they were much more clued they were far more clued in to the impact of Trump being voted in than I was as an outsider as a Brit who kind of got it but not didn't really fully understand the extent of what had just happened and it's only now in hindsight you can look back at that seminal moment and kind of see the domino effect of of his presidency and what's happened, not just in America but in the world. Um, but you know, seeing as you brought up, you know, you know, black athletes, and that's a great segue into what we've seen, Simon, because in the last couple of days, because like you said, it's it's easy to kind of look at the atrocities and the um, the ugly scenes. Uh, but at the same time, we should try our best to put a spotlight on some of the, the really great scenes um, that that we've seen, and tying that back to MMA, uh, there's really been a, a few that have stood out, and I'm sure people listening to this would have probably seen it online, but for those of you that haven't, a few days ago, John Jones was out on the streets of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he was peacefully protesting and and, and part of the, the the rally or the demonstration that was happening there and he noticed some individuals that were taking part in some in vandalism and they were using spray cans to you know graffiti you know shops or buildings and what have you and he actually just calmly went up to them and asked them to give him their spray cans and that was kind of like the very first Bit of I suppose content um, that I guess went viral, or from our MMA community, everyone stood up and took notice said, so, "Wow, look, here's someone that's been in the news his entire career, especially over the last week, for things that are going on between him and the UFC, and you know his his professional fighting career. That's all put to the side at the moment because he's now just a a resident and a citizen." Of, of his city and his town, and he's going out of his way to try and do the right thing and, and, uh, and try and kind of look after his city, you know? And then literally the next day, we saw him put out some stuff on social media where he was interested in finding out if there were some local businesses that had been broken into, vandalised, that could perhaps use some help. And it looks as if it was him and it was his... Uh, teammates and colleagues at Jackson wink who are all wearing the, the the Jackson wink t-shirts uh they went out and they helped with the cleanup again just, just that is great to see to see members of your community that are in the spotlight that have a platform that have resources um that go out of their way to to help you that if you're a member of of, of a community and you don't have the money or what what have you to help fix Uh, your your shop your business or whatever's been broken into and you see john jones and and, and team come over that must have been some of the fantastic feeling and then at the same time on literally the opposite side of the world in auckland new zealand we saw some very very powerful images courtesy of some incredible photography from the the getty shooters of israel adesanya again being part of a, a rally and this again this goes to the global impact of what's happening in america uh, and and what was now starting to see verberate around the world and israel asania was a part of a demonstration a rally and you could tell it was an emotional moment and day for him to be a part of that again someone who's a black athlete who's the the best middleweight in the world right now in his prime in his peak one of the biggest stars in the sport one of the the shining lights of, of the ufc's current roster um, and he's out there and he's amongst the people and he's trying to use his platform and his stature um, as somewhat of notoriety to to speak on, on the issue. And, you know, there was a video that, that I posted and many other uh, people and outlets posted of him um, giving a bit of a, a bit of a speech talking about uh, the issue at hand. And so, yeah, it's, it's again, there's, there's no escaping it. You know, it, it doesn't matter what community you're a part of, and, and for me, I feel like I'm mean, I'm a part of a, a handful of communities. One of which is the, the the Indian community, the British Asian, the British Indian community, right? The other part is the MMA community. And so when I when I see things like that happen from our sports biggest stars, that has an impact on me, and hopefully that has an impact on people that follow the sport, the fans, the media, the, you know, people that work in the business. So I thought that was. Those are
0: a few moments that that really stood out to me from the MMA world. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Jon Jones hasn't always made the best decisions in his in his uh, away from the cage career, um, but you can't you can't do anything but applaud applaud the man for what he did. Um, and the same for, you know for Israel Adesanya, just standing up for people and 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 saying his piece, using using the platform that he has built for himself as one of the best fighters on the planet to then try and empower the people who, well, to empower people like him, empower, empower the people who are in the place that he was a few years ago and, uh, you know, bring value to their lives and bring, you know, it's such, it's such a, it's such a difficult topic to talk about, but I think it's important that, that that we at least address it. Um, I don't think either of us profess to have the answers to this. um, there is no easy answer to this you know it's not no one can wave a, wave a magic wand and then there'd be no racism in the world anymore and um i listened to a, a speech by cuz obviously i've been listening to what trumps had to say i listened to a speech from joe biden today as well um and uh, the thing that he said i thought was quite interesting he said we've been in a fight with with racism for all these years and he said and you know, we might win here and there, but it's never, it's never decisive because there's always people there. So, you know, racism is still there. It will still exist. What we need to do is just make our world a better place. We need to educate people and we need to stay on top of this, you know, and and not take it for granted. And, and I think, I think that's what it is. I mean, I think I think the best way the best way to describe this is if you don't view people of colour as people of colour or if you don't view actually no, that's that that's the wrong way of describing it. I don't view people of colour as quotation marks, people of colour. They're just people. It's just you're just a friend of mine. You're just you know, I don't I don't think that Sandu, he's my he's my Asian mate sandu you're my mate that's it i don't i don't put you in a in a box like that you know um and i think if people see the world like that and see their, you know their fellow man woman and child just as that rather than putting them in boxes labeling them then i think we'll go a long way to improving things and you know different parts of america have different economic situations and where you're born you know the the communities you're born into can have an impact on on your life. But you just have to look at the stories of a lot of NFL players, many of whom have come from difficult backgrounds. You look at stories of martial artists, mixed martial artists, a lot of them have come from difficult backgrounds. Boxers in particular. A lot of uh, MMA fighters actually from the States have gone through the collegiate system as wrestlers, but um, some haven't. And in boxing... Boxing famously has been used for years and years to help get kids off the streets and MMA is, is being used in the same way now. Um, and if, you, if 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 people can just start to make make the right decisions for themselves and not put themselves in a box and not put others in a box and just see the good in people, that would be a start. And I think racism comes from fear at the end of the day. And, and they're scared people who are racists are basically scared of something um, I think we've seen it in the UK I think an element of what we've seen with Brexit has been based on racism, an element of it I wouldn't say all of it an element has, I think there's this I'm scared I'm going to lose my job to immigrants or I'm um, you know, we don't like these new this new culture of people who are moving into our area or whatever it might be it's fear of change it's fear of something different from yourself. that's not how the world works you know we we, we aren't we aren't living in late nineteen thirties Germany here you know let's celebrate everybody's differences, but also celebrate the fact that we're all we're all basically the same species at the end of the day and if we can get to that point then things will get hopefully a lot lot better but um I don't know. I don't know how much more I can say without feeling like I'm going over and over the same thing. But
1: no, nah, well said, si. Um And again, this this goes back to why I wanted to wait to record this podcast and the show with you this week because I needed this for myself personally. I couldn't get all this out on on a a single tweet or or an Instagram or a social media post on Instagram something like that it it just it just wasn't going to be enough for me you know Mm -hmm. because this has been kind of weighing on me all week and I I felt so angry and and what have you and and I I love the fact that you and me have uh, have had this conversation because we've never had to have this conversation because we've just been mates you know race has never been an issue Uh, it's never come up or it's just one of those things you know you're my mate you're my colleague you're my peer. Um, and it's it's something that I feel like I think it's good I, I'll try to look at the glass half full and half empty and you know yes everything's happening right now in America and other parts of the world there's some ugly scenes but there's also some very powerful positive messages to be taken away from what we're seeing as well Um, and I guess to try and put a bow on all of this it's, I, I want to hopefully leave the listeners, just ask yourself a question. Just ask yourself what you can do personally, right? That's that's all you're responsible... All anyone is responsible for is what they can do themselves personally, right? Maybe it's to do some research. Maybe it's to just take a moment and think to yourself and ask yourself whether maybe you've had racist in- tendencies about how you've gone about your life and 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 it's not something that you kind of said hey i'm gonna be a racist one day no one's born a racist sometimes it's from the circumstances of your family or your your city or your country or your place of work or your your social network you know and and you thought something that you may have done or said is acceptable when in fact it actually isn't and that's something for you to to think about yourself no one's going to be able to do that for you or help you through that process that's on you right and then, if you want to be part of the solution, there's there's so many things you can do, man. You can pr- promote social media posts. You can do a quick little retweet or like or comment um, or share content that you support. Uh, like I said, if, if there's um, if you if you're if you've got money, you can you know perhaps make a donation, uh, or you can sign a petition, you know, um, or you can just reach out, reach out to someone um, in your network. Um, and and have a, a, a conversation that may at first be a little bit uncomfortable, but it might be important. I've had I've had a few friends of mine, some white friends of mine, uh, an old colleague of mine from London who now lives in California. He's killing it in Google. He's like at director level, right? So happy for him. He reached out to me out of the, out of the blue, you know, uh, about four or five days ago, just expressing his feelings because he's starting to go through a process where. He didn't understand how privileged he was as, as a white man growing up in the UK and some of the opportunities he had versus someone of colour. And he wanted to speak to me about that. And I thought I was, you know, um, fantastic. And, of course, I gave him the, the time of day, you know. But here's what I'm going to do, right? So if you follow me on social media, like I said, you know it's been 99% MMA, MMA, MMA. I don't really tend to um, speak on um, political issues, uh, you know, a- a- any any kind of those topics. Because I don't know why, and, and that's not, again, this is part of my own process. Maybe I should have. Maybe that's my mistake. Maybe that from day one, on on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, that should have been a part of my feed from day one, but it hasn't, right? I've just kept it all MMA because I know that's why people follow me. They want their MMA news and they want their content. And uh, that's why they they follow me, you know? I get it. But I think now moving forward, and I hope people can appreciate it, and I put out a post yesterday to to share my feelings on it. I think I'm going to, when appropriate, when I feel like it's the right thing to do, I think I'm going to start uh, integrating my feelings on topics into my feed, share posts, maybe create content around it, Uh, And, you know, spread the kind of message that I, that I support. Um, And and, and that's what I'm going to do. That's a small part, sorry, of what I'm going to do. There's other things that I I probably do want to do, but I've started to kind of feel like I've got this um, platform and I've got like freaking 150,000 people that follow me across all my social media platforms. And that's only going to grow because I'm not going anywhere, you know, God willing, touch wood right? I'm still going to be around here for a long, long time covering this sport. And so people that follow me, that's going to grow. The audiences are going to grow. So now I've got a responsibility, right? To try and do my small part and uh, and, and spread the right messaging and, and support the right causes when it comes to racism, sexism, you know, and all, and all the rest of it, any other issues that I feel like I want to support. And so that's going to be me. That's what I'm going to do. Um, We'll see if things pop up in the coming weeks and months. And I feel like, hey, you know what? Now that we've kind of um, opened this door, maybe we'll talk about and address issues like this again down the road on, on the show and the podcast. Um, but I feel like this has been so good for me. Um, I'm so glad that we decided to do this as a part of this week's show. And, and if anyone's listening um, that has, I guess, questions or things that they want to see us address, on next week's show or in future shows drop us a line dm us uh comment in the sub stack um, feel free to reach out to us i'd love to hear people's opinions and thoughts on us even just talking about this um, especially if you feel like this has been a, 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 a good move on our part and it's made a positive impact on you look <laughs> we're not the joe rogan experience we, we know we don't have millions and millions of listeners and followers uh but again it all comes down to you being able to make whatever contribution big or small within the resources that you have so for all of the the Britpack listeners thank you so much if you've stuck with us so far on this week's show up until this point and um and you and you've absorbed what me and Simon have have said and discussed and and talked about then thank you and we appreciate it and uh like I said do your part be a good human being and we can all make this world uh, a better place bit bit. by
0: Amen to that, amen to that. Yeah, I mean, on my social media. A few months ago, um, I made the conscious decision to turn off a whole load of news feeds that I used to follow because it used to. I, I found myself getting angry a lot, like just in, so internally, just getting angry at, at things. And I thought this isn't good for my own my own mental health. This is this is making you know I'm not sleeping any better because of it you know i i need to i need to try and stay relatively positive but you can't block stuff out like this you know while cutting out negative things from your life there is a lot to be said for that i think covering your ears and going la 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 and pretending it's not happening is not something you can do with an issue as big as this so you know um You can forgive our... I wouldn't even call it an indulgence because it's not an indulgence. It's just a decision that we made to do this. Um, And uh, it's bigger than the sport, but it affects every single person in the sport, one way or the other. It affects every single person who is listening to this, whether they know it or not, it does. So, um, yeah, as Sandy said, thank you. Thank you for, for listening up to this point. Now, this is the Brit Pack MMA podcast. We do predominantly talk about MMA... So let's get on with the big show that is coming up. This weekend, back at the at the UFC Apex, the first pay-per-view at the UFC Apex is UFC 250. Amanda Nunes, who actually, looking back in history, has headlined a couple of historic cards in her time. Um, headliner of UFC 200, if you remember. She was the the third main event book for that show. She ended up uh, fighting in the main event of UFC 200. Um, now here she is main event 50 pay-per-views later against Felicia Spencer the phenom um, and uh, is there any danger of her losing her belt against Felicia Spencer Spencer is strong tough good on the ground but we've seen her against Chris Cyborg already Sandu and while she was strong and tough and stuck at it for three for, for three rounds against Cyborg she was ultimately, ultimately uh, well beaten in that fight so How is she going to cope over five rounds against someone like Amanda Nunes who absolutely blasted Chris Cyborg out of the water when they fought?
1: That's a good question, Simon. And that's exactly um, the most compelling part about Saturday night's main event because Amanda Nunes, greatest female fighter of all time, absolutely no doubt about it. I think after the win against Chris Cyborg, that kind of solidified her her status um, as the GOAT. And Man, it's going to be tough for Felicia. You know, it's going to be really, really tough. And she's got this added pressure of trying to become only the second UFC champion since George St. Pierre, right? And so no pressure there. You know, you're going up against one GOAT on the women's side of things, on the women's roster. And you're also trying to uh, take over the mantle as the next champion from the, the general consensus goat of all time in george saint pierre so the one thing i will say about felicia spencer she is tough she is tough she's never been finished in a fight chris cyborg could only do as much as uh, get a decision win against her and man the thing about felicia spencer is is she she's only got like nine fights under her belt so it's not as if she's got double-digit f- figures in terms of experience. And Amanda Nunes, at this stage, she's been around the block. She's seen it all, done it all. And although she's not undefeated, I think those losses, you know, in the early part of her career have helped her navigate the, her prime and her peak. I mean, she's she's basically fought the best of the best. F- Valentina Shevchenko, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, Jermaine Durandami. She's beaten them all. She's beaten them all. And, and in Shevchenko... She's beaten her twice, right? So it'll be interesting to see what happens here with regards to Amanda Nunes. Um, a lot going on in her life. You know, her partner is uh, is due to give birth uh, pretty soon. She's had to delay this fight herself because initially I think this was planned. Um, I can't remember if it was for UFC 249 or perhaps even earlier than that, but um, I know that she basically wanted to get a get a proper training camp under her belt for this. So, hey, listen, UFC 250, it's, it's a big number. I'm looking forward to it. Am I picking Felicia Spencer to win this fight? No, I'm not. I expect Amanda Nunes to, to, to do the business and get it done. But... In these uncertain times, we just don't know how fighters are training, how how they're preparing, and what they're going to be able to do on, on come fight night. And I'm curious to see if Felicia Spencer can put the put everything together. To, let's be honest. If she beats Amanda Nunes, it will be an absolute shock. It will be an, an absolute um, eye-opening um, performance if she does something to Amanda Nunes. And let's face it, Amanda Nunes, she hasn't lost since 2014, it's been six years. So, interesting fight, uh, but I'm always cu- I always want to see the best fight, the best. And look, right now, with the UFC and what they've got going on with a plethora of their other UFC champions, old reliable Amanda Nunes is, is up for it and uh, good for her.
0: She gets to headline UFC 250. Well done. Listen to this list. Jermaine Durandamy, Valentina Shevchenko, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, that list is the entire list of UFC women's champions at 135 and 145 pounds. Nunes has beaten each and every single one of them. The only UFC women's champion she hasn't beaten are the strawweights that she can't fight because she's too big. She's beaten the flyweight champ twice, although I would argue at least one of them I think was was uh, was a was a slightly questionable decision. But she's beaten Valentina Shevchenko twice on paper. So she's beaten everybody. Everybody her weight up. She's beaten them all. So she is if you're talking greatest of all time, she's got the long title reign. And if you're talking body of work and beating the best in the world on a consistent basis, she's got even John Jones beat in if, if on that criteria, you know? Um a quite quite fantastic athlete, seems to get better with every fight. Um, and uh, there look there was a little bit of a weakness when she fought Valentina Shevchenko. There was a worry over a gas tank, and maybe can she can, you know can she keep it going all five rounds? She's uh, she you know she's proved in most cases that she doesn't need the five rounds because she then started knocking people out. But she's she's as good as there has ever been uh, in the UFC flight. Uh, sorry, featherweight and bantamweight divisions. And uh, I, I want to see Felicia Spencer get a takedown. If Felicia Spencer can get a takedown, things get interesting and we get to see. Because Nunes has got, has got jiu-jitsu. You know, we we just don't see it that often. Um, you know, she's won three fights by submission um, in her career, much earlier in her career. But, you know, she, she does have jiu-jitsu. But Felicia Spencer's bread and butter is on the ground. So if she can somehow get through those power strikes... And she's she's obviously shown she's got a chin because she's spent three whole rounds with Chris Cyborg. So it'll be interesting if the fight goes to the ground. But I can't see I can't see uh, Amanda Nunes losing this fight. I mean, it would be as you say an enormous shock. Speaking of shocks, I was slightly shocked when I saw the bout order, and when I saw the the co-main event, the co-main event is listed as Rafael Assunção versus Cody Garbrandt. Bantamweight fight. There are one, two, three, four. Four Bantamweight fights on this, on this card? One, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, the three of them on the main card are all outstanding. But the top two, Rafael Assunção versus Cody Garbrandt. Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sanhagen. Now, if you were asking me two, three weeks ago, which of those two fights deserve to be the co-main event, I would be saying Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sandhagen. For me, they're the two higher rated contenders in my mind than Assuncao and Garbrandt. So I'm wondering why they've put the other two as the co-main event. Is that indicative of how the UFC matchmakers are viewing the division from a hierarchical standpoint? If Cody Garbrandt and Aljamain Sterling, Al-Germain Sterling win... Does that mean Cody gets the shot over Aljo? Is Aljo going to get passed over again? Um Cory Sanhagen is obviously a new a slightly newer name. He's he's kind of the guy no one wants to fight really. Um and Rafael Asunsao is the guy who I don't I don't know what he's got to do to get a title shot. He's been around and there and thereabouts all his time and has never got one. Um so he's the nearly man of the division. If he beats Garbrandt, then he's in there. But he doesn't finish fights very often so that's that. That's the knock on him. But I was surprised. Were you surprised that they, they put the Asensile Garbrandt fight at the co-main? Uh,
1: the only thing I could think of is because Cody Garbrandt is a former champion that they want to try and use that cachet in that co-main event slot. He's been there and, and to be honest with you when he was champion they really put the rocket boosters on him. You know, They were really pushing him hard. So, And it's been a while since he fought as well and they they always like when a former champion can kind of gonna you know get back on the horse and, and get a win under his belt. So that's a big moment. It's a big fight for, Cur- for for Cody Garbrandt. But for me, just given what happened a few weeks ago with Henry Cejudo relinquishing and retiring and you know moving on with his life supposedly, and, and that that bantamweight strap being available now, I would have just put the strap or you know put that Aljamain Sterling and Corey Sanhagen fight as, as a title fight. let's just just move on because immediately you've got a brand new champion in the division and then you can book another title fight down the road but they're hell-bent on uh, trying to get this Peter Yan jose Aldo fight for the title which is a bit of a head-scratcher but it is what it is they can kind of do what they want and present their opportunities but no doubt about it this uh, this card especially those those two fights between Asansao and Garbrandt and Sterling and Sanhagen those two are the key fights for the Bantamweight division this weekend. The winners of those two fights are going to have to make a statement. They're going to have to use the platform, use their post-fight interview, use the the post-fight press conference, in addition to trying to get an emphatic finish in their victory, to put a a real big stamp on their performance, to say hey, I've won this fight, I'm most deserving of a title fight um, next, if not fighting the winner of um, Jan and and Aldo uh, immediately.
0: So... Big, big uh, opportunity for whoever wins uh, those two fights there. Give us your two winners then. Who who do you have winning out of those two? Because it's almost like a mini tournament. We've got Sean O'Malley earlier in the card. He's going to kick off the main card. Uh, very interesting matchup against Eddie Wineland, who's been around for years. That'll be an interesting test for O'Malley. If he gets through that, goes to 12-0, and then all of a sudden he's not too far off that sort of conversation as well. But at the moment, it's about those two uh, about those two fights at the top of the card. So, if we're if, if we're looking at this as a mini a mini title eliminator tournament or you know number one contender tournament, who are the two guys going through to the final? I tell you,
1: the more difficult one to predict is the Aslanzar Garbrandt fight because with Cody, he's been finished in his last three fights, right? And then when you look at how he trained with Dillashaw back in the day and how he generally trained at Team Alpha Male. I mean, they went at it. And I think those gym wars have taken a toll on his chin and his ability to to absorb a, a punch. And on, on the on the other side, you've got Asin Sao, who isn't, really, like you said, really known for finishing opponents, right? So that's a real tough one. I'm going to just slightly lean towards Cody Garbron. I'd like to think that the year plus he's had off, He's been able to kind of evolve his game, round out his game because when he's on, when he's on and he's firing on all cylinders, he's he's one of the best. He's championship level. He's elite, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly favor Cody Garbrandt in that fight. The the Sterling fight versus Corey Sandhagen. I'm gonna pick Sandhagen here. I think something special is happening with with Team Elevation. You know, I think all their fighters. And the most recent example of that is Justin Gaethje. Those guys are putting together their program in such a way where their 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 roster, their talent, is going out there, not just performing, but performing well, and winning fights, right? And Corey Sandhagen, yes, he he might be the more lesser known in terms of personality, in terms of uh, social media following, in terms of you know uh, charisma, you know, through through interviews and 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 all the rest of it. But my goodness. When he fights, he puts on performances and he's getting some big wins as of late. Uh, the most recent being a win over Asensal, you know? And so, again, real, real tough fight, let me tell you, because Aljamain Sterling's up there as well. I mean, this is what makes these Bantamweight fights so appealing. They're mouth-watering because we literally have the best of the best. You can almost do like a little mini Bantamweight tournament. This is how, I guess, a lot of people are kind of viewing it, isn't it? It's like, we're going to see... We can even we could easily see the winner of Sterling Sandhagen fight the winner of sa Sagarbrant potentially, right? Especially if the UFC go ahead and book Jan versus Aldo for the next month to to six weeks away of you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly lean lean towards Cody Garbrant and then I'm gonna slightly lean towards Corey Sandhagen. But with the caveat of saying that I think that Asin and Sterling are absolutely capable of winning and if they do, I would not be shocked or surprised whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I've gone I've picked I've picked Cody and, and Aljo. I think I completely get what you're saying about Cory Sanhagen. I think I think that is I think that is the tougher fight to pick. I think Sanhagen Sanhagen is gonna be a threat for quite a while. I think Sterling's just that little bit more seasoned, I think he's just that little bit more ready to make that jump. But this is the acid test for the pair of them. You know, who knows San Hagen may, may rise to the occasion and prove himself ready. As to Rafael Asuncao, it's interesting. You mentioned actually, San Hagen's last fight was a win over Raphael Asuncao. Yeah. Asuncao's build ahead of him on the, on the fight card. So, you know, and, and uh, but then again, Asuncao holds a win over Aljamain Sterling. So, you know, it's kind of give a one hand take with the other. It's, that's what the bantamweight division is like right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you've got a and Garbrandt in the co-main event, and uh, a Sunsell's going into it on the back of a, a two-fight losing streak, and Garbrandt's coming into it on a three-fight losing streak, all by stoppage. So that's the co-main event, and uh, the fight before that is Corey Sandhagen, who's on a tear, Aljamain Sterling, who's uh, who's on a tear. So it's in. I don't. I don't understand it. I really don't. But um, I do think that the winner of the Aljo versus Corey Sanhagen fight, the winner of that deserves the next shot. And of course we're you know, we're betting without Marlon Moraes here, who who defeated Jose Aldo, albeit slightly controversially, um, at UFC two forty five, two forty six, two forty six I think it was. Um and um yeah, he's kind of the odd man out right now. He's the Leon Edwards of the uh of the UFC bantamweight division. He's out there no one wants to face him. So so um there's all sorts going on. And uh, I mentioned there were four bantamweight fights on the card. The fourth fight is actually being contested at 45 I think. It's going to be contested as a featherweight, but Cody Stamen versus Brian Kelleher. Uh Cody Stamen is a is a potential bantamweight contender. Um and uh if he can get through Brian Kelleher, he's going to be looking at the top the top 35ers in the division for sure. So um so um even though that's a featherweight fight keep that in mind when you take a look at the uh, the overall bantamweight picture Cody Staines is another one of those guys perhaps not the most fashionable name in the division um keep an eye out for Cody he's uh, he's had he's had a tough a tough couple of weeks i think he lost i think he lost a, a close family member over the course of the last week or two so um he's had it tough and uh, he's stepping in there looking to get himself a big win so um, but yeah, very interesting things going on with the bantamweight division. The other interesting fight on that main card, obviously, um, we touched on Wineland, Wineland versus O'Malley. But Neil Magney versus Anthony Rocco Martin. Uh, Magney's one of these guys who it feels like he's been fighting for like 25 years. like For as long as I can remember watching fights, Neil Magney always seems to have been around. Um, and he's still there or thereabouts in that welterweight division, still giving guys a hard time. But Anthony Rocco Martin seems to have found his, uh, found his found his form now. So that's an interesting one, Sandy. You have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, look, I
1: think at welterweight, Neil Magny has been a little bit like the Leon Edwards um, situation where he, he was able to build up this win streak, but then it all fell apart. And that's the worry with Leon Edwards, isn't it? It's like he's already, in my opinion, and I'm sure your opinion, done enough to warrant a title shot. Um, but it looks like... The circumstances are not going to be in his favor, and he's going to have to go about his business um, and try and get one more win under his belt. Um, and just based upon Tyron Woodley's performance this past weekend, I have no doubt that if that's Tyron Woodley, that would have shown up in London a couple of months ago. Then Leon Edwards would have um, had his had his way with it. But yeah, I mean, look, Anthony Rocca Martin, another you know awesome fighter at welterweight. Um, again, he's someone that's been able to put together a nice little win streak, but then he loses. And so the last time he he did that, it was against Damian Myers. I guess it's all about consistency, right? It's all about consistency and getting a a nice little win streak put together. Um, And listen, if you can get a win over Neil Magny, that's definitely saying something. And it's all about getting wins against top 15, top 10 opponents. And that's all you can do is keep winning against someone that's got a number next to their name, especially if that's someone that's ahead of you. The other couple of fights that I really wanted to kind of just quickly bring up, uh, Simon, is Sean O'Malley and chase hooper now sean o'malley i feel like is he's fighting eddie Wineland, by the way but he's he, i feel like he's being groomed as potentially the next big ufc superstar right um he's had an unfortunate run-in with usada uh, on one or two occasions But at the same time, I feel like that's been able to allow him to take a step back and and evolve behind the scenes in the gym, mature as a person, um, figure out how he's going to navigate the waters when he returns, and so far, so good. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he performs. He's got himself a spot on the main card, good for him. And again, I think another impressive performance. He's someone that could easily be fighting for the title within the next 12 months. If he gets a win over Eddie Wineland, Maybe one more, especially in those lower weight classes. The UFC is always looking to see if they can use someone that is just has a connection with a certain fan base. And Sean O'Malley definitely does that. Sugar Sean O'Malley. Chase Hooper is an, he's flying Alex Caseros. This is going to be great fun because you've probably got two fighters who have the most incredible hairdos. And let me tell you something for someone that has zero hair, I am. <laughs> I'm so jealous and, 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 and like I love how these guys have kind of used th- their their hair to be a part of their kind of like gimmick or their kind of persona. And you know for people that don't know Chase Hooper, he's been kind of using this um, I guess uh, online kind of like ongoing gag proclaiming proclaiming to be Ben Askren's son and Ben Askren's had a good laugh with it by kind of playing along as the dad and so that that's going to be fun and again putting all that aside great talent someone that could, down the road, be a big star for the UFC. He's still very young, and he's been able to kind of almost leverage some opportunities with the UFC by working for UFC Fight Pass, working a few, uh, you know, fight weeks uh, as an interviewer, as an on-site reporter for UFC Fight Pass, so good for him. Looking forward to that fight as well.
0: Yeah, my one of my favourite Chase Hooper moments. I know he's not been around in the UFC for that long. Number one, he was... Uh, I was in Vegas when he was... Uh, was it 246 he fought at? Um, he... Um, he was pushing because he's obviously too young to go out for a drink afterwards. Cause he, I think he's only like 20 years of age or something. Um, but he was pushing hard for an M and M's endorsement. I don't think he's actually arrived yet, but, um, I do believe that they, he did send out to some of the U S media members, sort of jars of M and M's, which I thought was kind of cool. But one of my favorite ever fighter moments, when you see other fight, when you see fighters talking to other fighters, fun stuff often happens. Um, and when the cameras are rolling, then there's, there's there's plenty of scope for fun and games. And um, Jorge Masvidal was in town. He was uh, he was guest fighter. Uh, he did a press conference um, on media day, and uh, he had his bottles of mezcal with him. He was promoting his mezcal brand, which uh, I ended up drinking shots with him later in the day. Which you, you can find that on uh, on RT Sports. Um, uh Twitter feed they every every six weeks they think the things are getting slow yeah let's just post side drinking shots with Masvidal again so um so yeah you are you're bound to see that at some point um but um he did his press conference bit and then he ended up sort of off to the side of the stage afterwards and uh Chase Hooper was there uh and he was he was doing some UFC.com or UFC social media stuff as the roving reporter and he went and stood. In, he went and did a little interview with Masvidal, and Masvidal obviously didn't recognise him as being another fighter at that point. And Chase just stood there in front of him with the UFC microphone, held it in front of Masvidal, and went, "Why did you have to do my dad so dirty like that?" And Masvidal was like, "What?" He said, "Ben Askren." He's like, oh, is Ben Askren, your dad, bro." And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "No." it was. It was very good. It was very good, but. Um, that was great i was, i stood about 6 feet from that it was hilarious but um hoopers a good guy and um alex caseras is uh one a, a, another guy with a, an outgoing personality that could be a lot of fun that fight i th- i think i think that one that is the perfect preliminary card headliner to uh, to have to just have a really good fun back and forth matchup they're probably going to be throwing all sorts of crazy stuff grinning, high-fiving, trying to kick each other in the head. It'll be good fun. And then, of course, you've got Sean O'Malley as the first fight on the pay-per-view. So um, I think that all kicks off rather nicely. So um, the other thing to mention, very first fight of the card, I just wanted to give a shout-out, Herbert Burns, brother of Gilbert Burns. Um, Herbert Burns is very, very, very useful. Very useful. Um, Keep a look out for him. If you've not seen him, he came through the Contender Series – um, he's a jiu-jitsu ace, as you would expect, one of the Burns brothers, um, but um, I believe he's, he's UFC debut, he, he, was it in Contender Series, he knocked a guy out, or his UFC debut, he knocked a guy out, and uh, he's now facing Evan Dunham, who's another guy who seems to just, an evergreen fighter, who's been going for years, so they're fighting in a catchweight at 150, So, so that would be an interesting one as well, but it's not the most, star stacked pay-per-view card you've ever seen in your life and i know that there will be people out there who are thinking should i be shelling out 65 70 bucks whatever it is they're charging over there for a pay-per-view but for those of us who get it as part of our bt sports subscription happy days there's a lot of fun fights on that card the bantam waits for me are the story so um, i'm really looking forward to that any other business before we wrap up this week sandu
1: The only other thing that I wanted to kind of quickly mention is, I know we didn't talk about last weekend's card, um, but what I do want to talk about or just bring up is the fact that it was the first time in the Apex. Uh, I thought the UFC did a great job uh, with social distancing. There there were were a lot more protocols put in place by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Um, I thought everything went smooth. There were no positive tests that came out of the event and I thought from a broadcast uh, perspective, it, it looked really nice. It's the smaller cage, Simon. We saw quite a few finishes, uh, albeit the majority of them were all submissions on Saturday night, but I've just got a feeling with these bantam weights and how fast they are, do you think there'd be a lot of phone booth fighting, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, and do you think that's going to be a catalyst to not only produce more finishes this weekend, but that might be a trend moving forward? Because I think... Statistically, the smaller cage does produce more finishes than the larger one. Correct?
0: I believe so. I don't have the stats to hand. My uh, my MMA junkie colleague Mike Bond will probably have that at at, at his fingertips as I speak. But um, being a being a relevant stat meister, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, you know the smaller cage. I know from a TV perspective, in a big arena, the bigger cage I think is a better fit, but the smaller cage. You do get as you said, uh, you coined you coined the phrase yourself. It's the old Martha and the Vandellas song, Nowhere to Run. Nowhere to Run. And uh I love it. I love it. The only the only disappointment is that we haven't got a load of heavyweight fights on the card because some big uh, can you imagine Francis Ngarnu fighting in a small cage? Scary. That 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 would be the most terrifying thing ever. But um yeah, no, really quickly on that event last week. Um yeah, it it came it came across really well. Broadcast looked tip top as you would expect um some some impressive stuff some strange stuff going on as well spot carlisle getting dropped while walking away in the middle of a fight what was he playing at uh the alpha ginger wasn't too alpha at that point but um fun fight to watch and uh some some good performances on that card brandon Royval looks like someone to watch out for at flyweight uh looked really upset with his performance he was actually crying in the post-fight interview um, because he thought he fought terribly, and then he ended up getting a 50g bonus. So, uh, couldn't have been that bad, uh, Brandon. So, yeah, good good fight card last week. We've got a good fight card this week, and we are well and truly back. I mean, the shows are coming thick and fast now. They're being booked up. Uh, we're hearing of fights all the time, um, and it isn't going to be long before the Brits start getting involved again. Uh, it sounds as if uh, it sounds as if we might be starting to see some Brits. I think Mark Mark G. Casey, There's got a fight on the way. Uh, My best guess is it'll probably be Stevie Ray. They've tried to book that fight a few times. Um, So um, I would assume that this is going to be the uh, the launch of Fight Island. Um, Either that or they're going to let people fly into the States. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're back. Uh, We have regular shows. And uh, fingers crossed the likes of Bellator and One Championship might not be too far behind.
1: Absolutely, I've got a funny feeling. This time next week, we'll be talking about Fight Island. I feel like the UFC are on the cusp of announcing more information and more details about that, and what the location is, and how it's going to work, and all and all the rest of it. But for that, for this week rather, that wraps things up. Um, once again, Simon, just want to th- want to say thank you um, just for uh, being you know part of this conversation today. It was definitely not an easy one to think about. Uh, over the last couple of days um and who, I, I, th- I don't know if i've got everything out of the system maybe you don't have ha- um don't 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 either but uh, i think we got a lot, of, a lot of things on our chest off and um i think it was an important conversation today and uh look you know for everyone that's kind of listening this is going to be mma 94 94- nine percent of the time you know this is what we this is what we do for a living uh, this is this is the content we know you guys like um, this is the conversation we like to have once a week talk about the sport that we love but um i think it's also important to not have the stick to sports mentality when there are far more important things uh, going on around us and around the world and, and it's important for everyone to do uh, whatever they can uh, to address it in whatever way possible so once again thanks to all of you for uh, sticking with us on this very important show. And if you want to support us, the best way of doing that, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, is give us a, a rating and, and a review. Uh, that really helps us on uh, Apple. It helps uh, us gonna be more uh, pushed and amplified and promoted on that platform. And uh, if you're listening to us on Uh, Google or Spotify, I'm sure there's ways you can kind of like and comment. But ideally, the best place we'd love for all of you guys to interact with us on is our Substack. So it's the Britpack.substack.com. That's the HQ of the show and the podcast and, and I feel like we're starting to get some momentum there and I don't and I don't think it'll be too long before we start to really open things up there with regards to having you guys engage with us with comments and questions and polls and, and, and all the rest of it. I think Substack, just in the general digital space, is becoming a very popular destination for a lot of people to host their content and uh, for, for good reason because it is a fantastic platform. And then I guess outside of that, if you fancy following us on social media i am at sandu mma across the board simon is at simon head on twitter at simon head sport on instagram and it's at the brick pack mma
0: on twitter if you want to find all the information related to the show that pretty much wraps things up thank you very very much for uh, listening this week. bit of a different show but um hope it was uh, of interest and uh, gave you a few a few different things to think about as you head off into the uh, the rest of your day. Next time we speak, we'll be looking back at UFC 250, looking at any news that's come out of that show, uh, any more big fights that are booked moving forward. And uh, you never know, we might might even have some news about one or two British fighters as they get set to get back in the cage once again. That was the Brit Pack. Huge thank you to Sandu, as always, and thank you to you, Chiefly, for listening. We'll be back in a week's time.